hello and welcome to episode 65 of Cutscene Convos. I know it's been a little bit longer since the last episode. Mm. We took a little break there because Horizontal had COVID uh, again. But we are back and this week is a busy old week. We have got a character profile for Adam Warlock. Ooh. As well as a spoiler-free Guardians of the Galaxy review because Horizontal is yet to see the film. We're also going to be ranking... MCU Stage 4 in retrospect. I've seen a lot of people have very strong opinions of Marvel mm. Stage 4 and since Endgame. So we're going to actually break it down, talk about it and see what we think. Also, we are recording on May the 4th and Visions Season 2 dropped today. We have both binge-watched this today yes, so have. that we can discuss it. Um, so looking forward to that before we get into a pretty, pretty hefty Nerd News Network which includes news about the Writers Guild of America strike, Nintendo having some fun on Twitter, Andy Samberg news, Star Wars news. It's all going down before we wrap things up with Swamp Thing versus Raish Al Ghul in our DC Superhero Showdown final. But for all that good stuff, Horizontal, how have your two weeks been? Oh, nice. I was wondering if you're going to throw it in there. Um... Well, I mean, as you said, I had COVID over a week ago now. Yeah. Imagine it's, getting COVID in 2023. Mate, imagine getting it when you don't leave your room more than like once a month. Do you know what's funnier? I'm actually kind of happy you got it now that I know you're fine and you've got over it, okay? Oh, okay. Because it means I wasn't the last idiot to get COVID. Ah, good to know. I got it really late. I got it like you October did. last year. And I, and I thought that like, I got the whole way through. I was like, okay, cool. There's no way I'm catching it now. And I managed to get it really late. But now I'm not the last idiot to get it. You have, succumbed, Mate, you have, you have beaten me. Uh, unfortunately, my my dad caught it. And I caught it off him. So my mum avoided it somehow. So it's just pure chance, honestly. And it yeah. knocked me for six. It really screwed me. Um, but it has done one positive thing. Which is it's giving me a normal sleep pattern somewhat. Oh, has it forced you into a decent routine? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to bed at like midnight, like a normal person, and getting up and before midday. So that's 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 wild. <laughs> it did do one good thing, but yeah, got over COVID. Then was away for the weekend with family, big family get together that we do every year. That was a lot of fun. Had a great time with that. Um, got back. On Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Go back on Wednesday and been catching up on work. There's a lot of work stuff that I'm like now catching up on messages and all emails and all this good stuff. So, been a busy couple of days. Plus, what as we said, binging visions that came out today. Yeah, I've just not had time to see Guardians, um, unfortunately. But we'll find time this week. Yeah, sooner rather than later. Full deep dive next week. Yeah, so yeah, recovery week and then family week. And it's been pretty. It's been a weird two weeks. It's been a weird two weeks. Yeah. How's your it's... couple of weeks been? Well, it's always weird when we miss an episode mm. because when we do an episode every week, it feels like they come thick and fast. Yeah. But then when you miss a single week, I feel like I've not spoken to you in a year and a half. Yeah, it makes the gap feel massive. 
it it's crazy like how it goes from feeling like we're talking to each other constantly to just okay i'll see you when i see you <laughs> um but my, my what have i done <laughs> i don't know where, where have i been so i went i'm looking at a fucking calendar just trying to work out dates. <laughs> so last time i recorded was the 19th so that was just yeah. after i was back from ireland yep um so yeah no i've not really been doing a lot it's just been a lot of um catching up after a crazy couple of weeks catching up with editing for my youtube channel catching up with just a bit of normal life i guess mm-hmm. um but it's been good um it's just the weeks feel all over the place when we've got bank to back back to bank bank holiday weekends yeah um so it's just i don't like I said, you you said it i'm gonna say it now it's like i don't know what day of the week it is i was talking to someone at work today and I was like, okay, cool, I'll do that on Monday. And they're like, no, you won't. It's bank holiday Monday. I'm like, shit, I guess I'll do it Tuesday then. <laughs> um, oh, honestly. But yeah, it, it's absolutely craziness. But I think it was a good um, reset week for us to just um, decompress. Because it couldn't have happened on a better week in all. I was going to say. Last, last week, there wasn't... It was slim pickings out here, folks. Um, so when Hori went, I'm definitely not going to be well enough to do this. I was like, you know what? If it was going to happen any week... That was the week. I that yeah, happened. I did pick the best week to be ill. To be fair, so we can't really complain there. But I think it's time we get back into it. Mm-hmm. Character profile this week's on Adam Warlock. Yes. Now, I'm going to say this at the top. This entire character profile was written before I went to watch Guardians Three yesterday, so okay. I've not edited this or changed any of this. As a result of what I've seen in Guardians 3, this is still all based on the original research I did before seeing how he was going to be betrayed in Guardians 3. Good to know. Um, so I don't want anyone to watch this and go, well, that isn't what happened. It's like, no, this is this is how it happened in the comics. Oops. Um, so, Adam Warlock made his first appearance in Fantastic Four number 66 in June 1967. So. He's an old boy. Um, but in his initial appearance, he was referred to only as him. Okay. Um, and he was created by a group of researchers who called themselves the Enclave. Um, and their goal was to create the perfect human. Okay. Um, upon his birth, he immediately sensed that the Enclave planned to use him for evil. So he destroyed their facility, injured and brutally, like, destroyed a number of them. And he escaped um, their containment area. Um, Shortly after escaping and trying to work out what he was doing in this big wide world, because despite being a super-powered, like, nuclear bomb on a galactic scale, he was still also, like, six days old. (laughs) Um, he encountered Thor and Lady Sif um, and he became enamoured with Lady Sif and he decided it would be wise to attempt to kidnap her so that she could be his mate ah smart yes. smart boy comics in the 60s were different <laughs> um, Thor then saved Lady Sif from him and proceeded to beat him almost to death um, however, before Thor could deal with the killing strike, he did manage to escape, at which point he 
uh, entered a regenerative cocoon. Um, later, he was rebirthed and renamed to Warlock by the High Evolutionary. Okay. Um, the High Evolutionary then gave him the Soul Stone, uh, which was implanted in his forehead, a la Vision, as well as a purpose. And the purpose was simply for him to be sent to Counter-Earth, which was one of the High Evolutionary's experiments. Um, and the High Evolutionary designed this world to be a utopian society where everything was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, however, one of his creations, the Man Beast, um, had kind of escaped the High Evolutionary's control and had begun to corrupt Counter-Earth. So the High Evolutionary sent a uh, Warlock there to deal with him once and for all. Okay. Um, upon his arrival, Warlock met four teens on Counter-Earth who decided that he had to have two names, so they gave him his first name of Adam, which is where we get his his name, as he's known now, of Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became Counter-Earth's first superhero, and he resided there for a while in his own kind of comic series. This is kind of before, in comic book, multiverse was kind of a thing. So instead, you had people just operating on different planets. And how do you right. have someone be a Earth superhero without having them on Earth? You just create a planet that's basically identical. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how that was working. Um, what it is worth note- noting is in the comic he was a huge part of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline and mm-hmm. he's also a founding member of the Infinity Watch so the Infinity Gauntlet is not the same as Infinity War but some of the beats are quite similar and right, that's okay. more of the one you would have heard of around the time when everyone was talking about what was coming they were like oh he tries to court death blah 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 so it's more that kind of story. Right. Okay. Um and then he founded the Infinity Watch, which was designed to stop any one creature getting hold of the Infinity Stones ever again. Right. Um I would say while he is definitely more on the hero alignment, mm. he could very easily in some portrayals be described as more of an anti hero, I think. Okay. With his kind of he has quite big picture goals yeah, and yeah. he's he's not afraid to maybe bend the rules of what other heroes would deem acceptable to um, Stick to his own. reach them goals. Yeah. yeah. The, the ends justify the means to him. Mm-hmm. I get that. So a very interesting character mm-hmm. that was obviously teased all the way back in, what, 2016 in Guardians 2? Yeah, ages ago now. 2017 in Guardians 2, six years ago. Feels like an age. It does. It feels like an absolute lifetime ago. Well, I mean, me and Jenna worked out last night after we got back from the cinema that Guardians 1 came out four days after we started dating. Oh, wow. We've been together a decade next year. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a long-ass trilogy. Um, It is a (laughs) long-ass trilogy. Um, but let's let's um, let's get into our spoiler-free review here. Yes, as I have um, not seen it. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to err more on the side of caution than mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. we both seen it and we were doing a spoiler-free review. Yeah. Um, not just because obviously I don't want to ruin the film, but also it was quite a special film as an experience, um, and I wouldn't want to risk anyone not getting to experience that. I can understand that. Um. It's interesting. So when I normally leave, especially a Marvel film, yeah, um, the conversation in the car ride home is always very much like an excited, bouncy one. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, because yep. there's just so much to break down, there's so much to discuss. Mm-hmm. But I got asked a number of times as I was leaving and on the way home, "Are you all right? <laughs> you're you're very quiet." And it was a really surreal experience. Because, and I mean, I tweeted about it. Let me get my tweet up, because like, I, yeah, I spent did. a while working on this tweet. <laughs> um, it might not seem like it, but like, I really was struggling to put it into words. Um, I remember seeing that tweet. It's going to be an interesting film. Tweet's just gone. Hello? John's lost his own tweet. Any tweeters? so here's what i said it's not perfect it's not the greatest movie that's ever going to be released Mm -hmm. but guardians of the galaxy volume 3 is a special experience that everyone who's ever loved an mcu film should watch in cinema the guardians of the galaxy trilogy might be one of the best if not the best comic book movie trilogy um and i think the only trilogy that i would sit here off the top of my head and say people could put above it is mm. potentially Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy. Ooh. I don't think any other trilogy of films hits that level. Interesting. With okay. Iron Man, yes, the first one is phenomenal. Yeah. Two and three are not up to the same level. Agreed. Captain America Winter Soldier, one of my favourite comic book movies of all time. First Avengers, okay. Uh, Civil War's pretty good, but it doesn't feel like they're a trilogy. This no. trilogy, I've I've never seen stuff get put together so well and me sit there and go, wow. Well. Um, I'd say it's the first superhero film of 2023 to not lose basically all of its steam in the third act. Oh, there's some bold statements going on. Come on. Yeah. I, I, I was sat there, I was like, are there any other films that haven't lost their steam in the third act? Obviously, Shazam and Ant-Man and the Wasp, we were very clear, really struggled with that. Mm. Black Panther lost a little bit of steam, but not too much. But it did lose a bit of steam. I think mm-hmm. everyone can agree to that. Um, what else have we had in 2023 so far? Or just recently, even. Um, but this didn't. Although you could tell where the story beats were, mm it didn't lose any steam. It kept going. You're like, yep, we're on to the next bit. We're on to the next bit. It kept that momentum at a very nice pace. Okay. Um, okay. I, although it might not seem like it, I do try and give everyone has is entitled to their own opinion. And when it's an opinion thing, I, I try really hard on that. Um, yep. When there's no way to empirically say if someone's right or wrong. I don't think I'm going to be willing to listen to too many arguments that this is not one of the MCU's best films. 
Um, I think the people who are going to be vocal about not liking this are going to be people who've decided the MCU needs to end. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. Or people who just never liked the Guardian films anyway. Yeah. If you didn't enjoy Guardians 1 and 2, you're probably not going to magically love this. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, I'm not going to act like there aren't a couple of minor nitpicky issues I have with it, but I can't remember the last time I went to a film and didn't have at least a nitpicky issue with it. Especially with MCU. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty damn good. I was pretty damn happy. Okay. Um, it it had me tearing up at times. It had me genuinely laughing out loud. Um, and if James Gunn is taking this talent to launch the DCU, I am very, very excited. Ooh. Because James Gunn has now done four comic book movies mm-hmm. in the Guardians trilogy and the Suicide Squad. Yeah. And they are all very, very highly ranked in my superhero films. I'm not a rewatcher of films per se. The yes, Guardians so. trilogy I will rewatch. Oh. Um, very high especially praise. now that I've seen it come to an end. Yeah. That is a trilogy without watching anything else. That I think can be very easy for people to sit down and watch. Okay. Um. And yeah, I, I, without going into too much more, I well, think yeah. that's it. The action is some of the better action we've seen recently. The this... character. Go on. Go on. No, 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 you go. Um, the character development for everyone that we get real screen time with mm-hmm. is substantial. It definitely feels like a goodbye from James Gunn to Marvel fans. Okay. Um, and I mean that in the best possible way. Um, so is this, I'm trying to remember, is this the first of phase? No. Phase five started with Quantumania. Oh, it did. But this is only the second one then of phase five, right? Yes. We haven't had any shows. Oh, we've had um Is Miss Marvel phase five? No, no, that was still from phase four. Oh still phase four. So we've only had yeah, these two it. films for phase five, yeah, right? That's all. That is all. Okay, so um what I will say is if you enjoyed Guardians One and Two, but you're not that up to date on Marvel stuff and you don't know if you can be asked to try and catch up. Mm. All you need to watch to understand it is Guardians 1, 2, and then Infinity War and Endgame. Okay. Um, You watch Lemming, you will... Oh, Still and be. maybe the um Christmas special. Oh, okay. Um, maybe the Christmas special. You could probably get away if not watching it, but I'd suggest you watch it. Um, But you watch all that and you're good to go. Which is still a lot, but it's a yeah, lot less for... than trying to keep well, up yeah. with other films at this point. Oh, 100%. Um, it's less than you'd have to watch to be caught up to watch Fast and Furious. <laughs> Mate, you no, don't I mean. no. If you want to catch up on Fast and Furious, just don't and just watch one, two, three, and then there. And then maybe four. There, you, know, you, can, you can get away with four. Four was good. Then it yeah. dropped off a cliff. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> but my, I think my biggest thing would be if you're if you think you want to watch it, but you were considering waiting until it's on Disney Plus, go watch it in the cinema. 
Okay. Um, I'm a big sucker for the cinema anyway. Um, I enjoy that sitting down with a purpose of watching something. But there are just occasionally them films that you're like, no, that was a cinema experience. The Batman was the same for me. That was a cinema experience. Um, this is definitely a cinema experience for me. Um, and I cannot wait for me and you next week to really get into the nitty gritty of the visuals and stuff because mm. I think you're gonna love how it looks. Okay, I'm intrigued. Um, based on what I know about you and the conversations we've had about content in the past, I'm um, looking very, very much looking forward to going to watch it. Yeah, no, this is. If there had only been like two or three films between Endgame and this, hmm. this is definitely the kind of film where everyone would turn around and go, okay, cool, the MCU's back. We don't need to worry. They've got it under control. We just had a little dip there. Mm, okay. Um, Fingers and crossed. Had, going had this film come out earlier, it might have stopped a bit of superhero fatigue. It might have sucked enough people back in to get people to take a deep breath. Right. Um, yeah. But that is a whole different debate. We can get onto that in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, keeping on MCU, there have been so many discussions recently that the MCU should have died and ended with Endgame. Yada yada yada. Um, there has been nothing good since the end of Endgame. Yada yada yada. I was like, is it really as bad as people make it out? Mm. So I decided we would rank just the films from Stage mm -hmm. Four. And talk about them a little bit and see if we think there are some genuinely valid criticisms or if it's just people who have literally watched their childhood disappear and now they can't emotionally cope without it. Understandable. <laughs> um, so let's get into this. So just so everyone knows what we're talking about here, I don't believe these are in correct order, but they might be. Um... The MCU Stage 4 films are Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange Multiverse and Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And I'll be honest, when I wrote that list down, and I like thought about my individual feelings toward each of them films, mm -hmm. I did kind of sit there and go, Maybe they've got a fucking point. Because a lot of these films, I have some serious criticisms towards. Um, but at the same time, I can't say I walk, walked out of the cinema for most of them, like, angry or upset or, like, that wasn't good enough. No, I think... I So when I read through this list that you sent me, I kind of hit... Um... Some there's some clear like those were great films. Love them. That was a bad one. And then there's kind of like a these are kind of mid. Yeah. Which in the moment don't come out hating it and you're like, okay, that wasn't that bad of a film. I enjoyed it. But I guess like looking now, you do realise that there was quite a few kind of mid films in phase four. Yeah. So I think the best way to put it across is like I I've said I'm not a big rewatcher of films, mm. but if there is a film that's that's I really like, I I know like six to eight months later if I really like it, if someone goes, fancy putting that on, and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's watch that. 
if it's a mid film, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna go do something else. I'm not gonna spend two hours watching a film that's mid. Um, yeah. Even if I don't consciously realize I think it's mid. So like Winter Soldier, you can basically say to me any time, "Do you want to watch Winter Soldier?" I'll be like, "Fuck yes, throw that on." Let's get it on then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, whereas Black Widow, uh, I, like, <clears throat> I, I I really can't be asked. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think that's a good segue into where I was going to start with this list, which is I'm pretty sure we both have a very solid last place. Yes. And I think most MCU fans do in the sense of yeah. Black Widow. Well, here's the thing with Black Widow. It came, came out, out the wrong, wrong time. Yeah. yeah. If that would have come out in the right place in the timeline, mm-hmm. and if they would have done Taskmaster properly, and I do not mean yes. making Taskmaster a man, I mean simply making Taskmaster done well. Yeah. Um, I think this film could have been very, very good. Yeah, I agree. But the waiting for it to be quite an average plot made the plot seem worse by comparison, as well as the wastefulness of Taskmaster. Um, I mean, it puts it at the bottom. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and absolutely trash it. I went to see it. I enjoyed it enough while I was there. I, I, like I said, I wasn't like, well, that was a waste of two hours. Mm. But if someone goes, oh, I was just about to watch Black Widow, do you want to watch it with me? I'm probably not going to say yes. Yeah, agreed. I think you nailed it there with like, it came out, primarily, it came out at the wrong time. Like, it felt late. It's like, why, why did we not? Like, there was no solid reason for why we would look like, get this now and not just have it earlier like um like with miss marvel it made sense that we would like time hop way back and like or captain marvel sorry and and, uh that made sense like why we hadn't seen met had that film earlier but this just felt late and then like you say taskmaster was just kind of very poorly done and used and I think had they fixed those two things, like it would have been a much, much better film. But for phase four, it's slab bang at the bottom. It's just, yeah, it's just not good. Now, I think we're going to disagree on what we have next. Are we So here's the thing, right? Are we going down the list or do we want to do this in number order? I was going to go through our rankings, bottom to top. Okay. So what you have yeah. for number six. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. See. So I think you're going to say Eternals, but I have Thor. In a shocking turn of events, I also have Thor. Wow, okay. Yes. There we go. It's almost like we talk and like share our thoughts and become one hive mind every week for over Correct. a year now. Um, These are yeah, the views so... of Cutting Cover. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did sit here, and we when we both said we enjoyed Thor, um, and I did enjoy Thor, but I would be lying if I said I don't see some validity in people's complaints of it. Yeah, and um, I I oh. will say from my like six up to three, it's very close. It was very difficult for me to put them in full or like really pick. But the way I did it is like, yes, I enjoyed Thor. We both said we really enjoyed the humor and this, like, we loved that part of it. 
Um, but when I was thinking back, I was like, other than the humor, what actually happened in four? And I was like, I don't really remember what the main beat of it was, other than humor and four doing a workout. Yeah, I get that. Um, so I was like, what I will say is, as much as we can and fairly say that that wasn't good enough, etc. I still say it's the second best Thor film. Yeah. I, I think Ragnarok is like a top, top MCU film. I mm-hmm. think the first Thor and Thor Dark World are both pretty bad. Um, yeah, the first Thor was... I, I'd say, but... I think we can all agree Dark World is terrible. Yeah. To the point where me, as someone who literally has spent hours watching and reading about this, when it came time for Infinity War and Endgame, forgot that the reality stone was in dark world and i was like wait we haven't seen the reality stone yet um because it's that forgettable of a film um then you've got thor and love and thunder which based on taste you can put either way around i think yeah and then you've got ragnarok which is streets head of all of them oh yeah um but yeah so i I don't think there was i don't think that's particularly controversial pick to have four in six out of these seven no i don't think so okay so i think this potentially gives us a better chance of matching on number five as well i have eternals now this is where we are different okay what have you gone for so i've got dr strange okay but i was very like i said these were very difficult i kept switching them around and i couldn't decide but then i came i came to the conclusion that i personally enjoyed the introduction to Eternals and this kind of bigger thing it opened up that was going on. Doctor Strange was great. It just, I don't know, it felt like it was lacking a bit. of There was a bit too many different story beats going on, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I can get that. Um, so the reason I had Eternals um, in fifth was while I did enjoy the characters, which is why I had it above Thor, um, and I thought it was a very nice introduction to a new set of characters, it felt like, upon retrospect, that the fall of Icarus and the pacing sped up with not a lot of explanation. It went from quite a slow, like, oh, what's happening Mm. here, trying to work out what's going on, to, oh, we all hate each other, we're divided down the middle, we must now decide who's doing what. And you had, like, yeah. your characters fighting to save Earth, your characters fighting for their to do what they're supposed to do, and you had, like, people like uh, Kingo, who were like, I'm not doing anything, I'm not getting involved. Whatever you guys decide on between yourselves, I will honour. Um, yeah, I can understand that. So I just felt upon reflection that it missed out slightly. Um, but it's also one of the ones out of here that I'd be very happy to see a sequel for announced soon. Yeah. Because I think there's definitely something there. And I think for a first film where you're having to introduce that many characters, it did do a very good job. I just think we've got three genuinely very good films still on this list. And again, mm-hmm. this part comes down to taste. Yeah, I agree. And... Um... Like like I said, for me, Doctor Strange was slightly lower just because I felt like it was you. You had Wanda's storyline kind of competing with what Doctor Strange was trying to learn, and then he 
that introduction i get it was more it felt like a film just to kind of help the viewers learn the multiverse but it yeah. kind of felt a little bit all over the place um okay. that's fair so but, is it safe to assume in fourth place we are the inverse of each other yes yeah, so you and got, i have Doctor strange and you yeah, have eternals correct okay cool the, this, so, this we're essentially show. the same yeah so the reason i went for Doctor strange above eternals okay is i liked that they tried something new in the sense of it being a bit more creepy and mm-hmm. hitting more of them horror elements i wouldn't say it was an out and out horror film like people were initially trying to sell it as but it definitely had their moments where you're like fuck me that is genuinely a bit scary yeah i can i can um, i always enjoy some fuckery and the visuals that you can do with Doctor strange yeah um and seeing the power of what the multiverse can do for us as fans with cameos from Patrick Stewart as Professor yeah. X and uh, Jim Krasinski as Reed and stuff like that mm-hmm. was kind of like a, yeah, I get it's fan service, but at the same time, I'm a fan. I'm, yeah. I'm who got serviced. Like, if it was bad fan service, then you can't really call it fan service. Fans don't like it. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. It was nice. I do agree there are some issues with it. I do think that your criticism of it was a Doctor Strange film, but it felt more like a Wonder film in places is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall, while I came out of that less impressed than I came out of Eternals, I think on, upon reflection... Doctor Strange has aged better in my mind than Eternals has. Yeah, that's fair enough. I can, um, but again, I can with them two being so close, that is purely yeah. just a preference of what you want to see when you go to the cinema. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason Doctor Strange takes shape for me is just it did try something a bit new. Now, I'll be now interested. This to... is, yeah, these are all very much going to be a taste thing. I think we will have first the same. Oh. But, okay, maybe not then. I think um, we might have third the same. You think we might have third the same? Okay. What have you got in third? I have Black Panther in third. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Um, While I love the film, I love the visuals of the film, the score was incredible, the design and all uh, like the emotion that we got to feel through that film it felt compared to the remaining other remaining two of shang chi and spider-man it just felt a little lacking with namor in how they used him at times which is why i put it in third i mean i think that's fair i mean first and foremost black panda wakanda forever is a phenomenal film Mm -hmm. um and I don't think that's up for debate here before people come in and like, wow, you're putting that third. That's easily a really good film. We're not saying it's not a great film. It's a fucking brilliant film. Yeah. Um, And it is definitely out of the ones on this, this list, the first film we've got through, got to so far that I would rewatch pretty happily. Yeah. Um, I think it is hampered slightly with, I don't love it as much as the first Black Panther film. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish we got more out of 
that Shuri and Killmonger yeah, exchange. It's just... Because Shuri comes out of that ready to kill them all, and that's her plan. And we don't actually see that plan change as much as on a dime she just goes, no, I can't do this. And I'm not a fan of them on the dime changes, where she goes from literally 30 seconds before actively killing him by de- dehydrating him to then changing her mind at the last second. Yeah, that's. I think that's what it was. There was just the way they did the conflict with Namor kind of just felt a bit lacking in places. And that um, can be part and parcel to a lot of different things that that film went through during production and having to be rewritten and all sorts. But yeah, what I will say is, I think that film is going to end up being higher on our list in a couple of years once we've had more out of Riri. And once Riri nostalgia can sit in, and we're like, that was when we first got Riri. That film's excellent. Yeah, um, yeah that could be true. Yeah, I think it has, out of all these films, the best potential to age well. I can agree on that. So, do I take it from your umming and eyeing about me thinking we're going to agree on number one that you have Spider Man at number two? I do have Spider Man at number two. Okay. Um, now, so I've got Shang Chi at two. Okay. That um, doesn't surprise me. And I think it's fair to say that it is because I'm a complete sucker for Spider-Man. everything No Way Home we're trying to do. Um, oh, and I, I mean, think it executed its plans basically perfectly. I think... Don't get me wrong. Spider-Man was an incredible film. And like you say, it nailed everything it wanted to do. We got the fan service that we all wanted. Um... And it opened the world to this whole like multiverse thing. We, we it was an amazing Spider-Man film through and through. The only reason I put well, not the well, more so the reason I put Shang Chi above it for me is the martial arts in Shang Chi are fucking incredible. The visuals in Shang Chi I think are more amazing, and that comes from just what Shang-Chi can, has to play with, if that makes sense. Like, the end of the day, Spider-Man is it, like, he doesn't have mystical beings to be fighting uh, in that film. So there's just certain things in Shang-Chi that appeal to my, like, the creative side of me and stuff that I kind of put that above Spider-Man purely for those things. And I'm... Um very much more the like Shang-Chi 2 is probably the film that I'm most excited for when we get it. Um I think Shang-Chi is a genuine masterpiece. Um I think it is another situation with the Black Panther films where when you're letting culture do culture mm. it feel it feels authentic and real, which is why it's so good. Um I completely agree that it visually was stunning. The story was well put together for a origin story, which is difficult to do. Mm. It is so insanely rewatchable, and I do love that film. Um, and probably by rights, it should be higher than Spider Man No Way Home. I completely get why you would put it above that, but when it comes down to a preference, which is all this list is, yeah, 
I don't think me, who as someone who grew up watching the animated Spider-Man cartoon at 6am on a Saturday with the Spider-Man candy sticks, <laughs> having watched the Tobey Maguire films, the Andrew Garfield films, the Tom Holland films, and buying Spider-Man comics regularly, can sit here and say that I didn't squeal and clap and just lose my ever-loving shit during No Way Home. Um, and in no right for no way home i was really anxious going into it because of all the leaks about it i was mm. like there was no way this film is going to live up to what i built it up to be in my mind and it did yeah no i mean all I those would also things say are valid it has been the only film since endgame that's had the balls to actually kill off someone important this is yeah that's that's valid yeah. Because there's definitely been some films where there should have been. And they, I mean, yeah. we, I think everyone with a brain cell left Ant Man and the Wasp was like, wait, so no one died? No really? one died or got stuck. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I do yeah. think Shang-Chi and Spider Man are very close. And it all comes 100%. down to preference on if you're a massive Spider Man fan. Or just like what what your preference in kind of action and style goes to. But I think it's very easy if you look at this to see is we went we have three genuinely top MCU films. Yep. In Black Panther, Shang Chi, and Spider Man. We then had three middle of the road films, and yeah. depending on your personal taste, some of them might be close to that top third. Yeah, and then we had one absolute stinker. I can agree on that. But I don't know how mm. many Phase One and Two films I can confidently say are going above, like Doctor Strange, which I had at four. I think Doctor Strange is probably, if I was to rank all of the MCU films, which maybe we'll Oof. do some point soon. I feel like that's probably right around the middle area. Mm. So, and that's also in the middle of this list. Does that mean we're moving in the right direction? Or not necessarily the right direction. Does it mean we're not moving in the wrong direction? I So, I don't think we're moving in the wrong direction. I just think the issue that the fandom has is we reached such a high bar with Infinity War and Endgame that what was once like a mediocre good film now feels mediocre lower because we've experienced such a high bar with the kind of finale of phase three that it was always going to be the case going into phase four that nothing was going to be able to live up to that because you don't have that build up and i think we're kind of all looking like got that oh like opinions are skewed because of that you know what I think the best way I can describe Endgame as? Go on. As like, do you remember, this going to sound so fucking cringe, but it's the only way I can possibly <laughs> think to explain it. Okay. Do you remember when Fortnite did the Black Hole event? And yes. And the game wasn't playable for like two or three days or whatever. Yes. And the game had started to decline slightly, but this moment happened and instantly everyone's eyes were glued to it. Mm -hmm. 
Like Cypher PK had over like two hundred thousand viewers for like four days straight, just staring at a black screen, trying to work out what was going on. Yeah, that... Endgame felt like that. It felt like a lot of people had already invested so much time that they were like, "I'm seeing this through," mm-hmm. and they went, "Okay, I've seen this story. I'm okay to leave it now." Mm-hmm. But because then people just went, "Okay, this isn't for me anymore." Like a lot of us have done with Fortnite. Now we've gone, "Okay, I'm I'm over this now," um, and we've moved on from it. That now means the people who just do enjoy it but want to blame something are now blaming everything new saying that it's caused the downfall whereas i think they could have released their best ever films after endgame and they still wouldn't have done as well because a number of people just went i'm getting off the ride now yeah no that's actually quite a good comparison because you have to look like same with endgame what happened with that at the end of Fortnite. There was so much build-up that, like, though some people towards the end maybe didn't rush to see the films, they still were like, oh, I'll go, I'll cut, I'll keep up. And then as it was getting closer to Endgame, and there was more talk of it and more hype, everyone, like, caught up on things, people came back, people reinvested into it, and the payoff was there. We got the payoff what happened with Fortnite and then after that a lot of people like oh, I got my payoff cool see you later or like they watched the first thing after that and were like meh it just feels like the same old again now I'm done happened in Fortnite you could even say in Fortnite there's been some of the best partnerships that game's done since then but yeah. less people it's not a cultural phenomenon anymore and like, here's the thing people will say Fortnite fell off it's still raking in millions every year, and it is still widely a sex successful game, but everyone is comparing it to its height, and yep. I think that is what is happening to the MCU right now. Exactly. Everyone's going, these films aren't as hype as Endgame was. And it's like, okay, but you've got to put... You know when you look back at old media, and they always say, like, in school reading old book, you've got to look at the context of the world to fully mm-hmm. understand it. You've got to look at the context of the world since Endgame. We've gone through a global pandemic and we are heading on a fast track to a global recession. Yeah. People, a lot of people are still a bit weird about being in public places for too long. Mm. Um, and a lot of people are also being very careful about their money. Yeah. Going to the cinema to see a film that's going to be on Disney Plus in three months' time might not be on everyone's top priority list anymore. No. I, I would agree. And we said it way back in like in the midst of phase four that phase four was like going back to phase one. It was a build like a fresh build up. And if you looked back to phase one, phase one was kind of slow. Yeah. Um it was a bunch of individual films and then everyone was like losing their mind when they said Avengers is gonna have all these characters together and they're like, What? None of them have interacted before other than Black Widow. Exactly. Like all we got was a post credit scene on some of them that like linked yeah. it into the same thing and everyone was like, Oh my god, they're they're starting to link them. It's the same thing again, and I think you never know. Maybe by phase six we will get a build up again and people re- will return because they'll be like, Oh shit, everyone's talking about like this huge build up again 
and it'll probably pull a bunch of people back in but it's gonna be hard to hit that same feeling as it did the first time round. it's uh-huh. never nothing ever hits the same a second time um and it's always hard to like hit that peak and to stay on that peak and climb again like it's gonna drop so i think overall phase four was good i don't i don't think it was um going in the wrong direction i think it's just people kind of have this clouded judgment of it yeah i completely agree um however one thing that's definitely gone in the right direction vision season two yes I loved Vision Season 1. So did I. I I didn't know if they'd be able to top it. (laughs) However, going to more than just anime studios was a stroke of genius. Yes. The the variety of art and animation styles and stories we got in these nine Mm -hmm. episodes give me a season of Visions every two years for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, so... I mean, I have a note I wrote, and it was just like overall, the the range of like cultural influence that we got to see in these Star Wars stories was amazing. The range of styles, some really pushing the boat out, some more like traditional styles and stuff we've seen before. For example, the Ardman Studios, like sticking to their their iconic style, but like yeah. some of the styles were very much out there and new, and we got such a wide range of just experiences in a yeah. Star Wars universe. Um, what I will say is, although like the cultural influence was there in season one, because they were all anime and Japanese and mm. Korean studios, the influence felt consistent throughout them all, yes. which made it less noticeable. Whereas having all of the voice actors be speaking in the same accent because they're all clearly from wherever that studio's based yeah made it feel so diverse and wonderful yeah um like that episode i think it was episode seven which was the one with the very clearly indian yes studio very clearly influenced by their culture and just gorgeous I mean, yeah. the artwork was gorgeous, but also just seeing how naturally that Indian culture can fit in a Star Wars universe and not feel weird to have it there is just phenomenally well done. And just like everyone from around the world getting mm-hmm. to have their Star Wars yeah. moment just felt nice and right. It, and it real. really did. And it's like, it all works so well because obviously Star Wars is such a huge universe of like and stuff we haven't seen it's like it's not a weird concept to have these cultures exist yeah of course in the star wars world so it works perfectly and it's such a smart idea for these studios to to lean on that yeah Uh, there was like one consistent kind of small detail i feel like kind of traveled through them all in this season there was a strong focus on kyber crystals yes i was literally gonna say that and like throughout and i don't know whether this was like star wars gave all these studios like we like a cut like maybe focus around kyber crystals or something or if it's just by chance but i did quite like that i I don't know if they give them a brief and they're like here is what we want your episode to focus on or like this series our main themes are this do that however you want to do it 
or if a bunch of artists went, Kyber Crystals are fucking awesome. Can we do a story about Kyber Crystals? Which also seems very possible. Yeah, I, part of me is like, either they give a brief or the studios go with like drafts and like pitch uh, story ideas. And maybe then Disney was kept telling the studios like, oh, we like the Kyber Crystal one and kind of like influenced like, it that way. Or like, was it episode nine that was the little girl with the voice in the Kyber yes. Crystal? Like that was beautiful. I all I wonder is like there's so little kind of already written like there's stuff about Kyber Crystals but there's very little like hard canon facts about it that well, we also the studios just have more just doesn't have to follow any rules well, they can they can do whatever they want also that and it's like there's just that gives them more freedom to do whatever they want and it not seem like oh this goes like too too closely against canon or something like there's no one no one can really question anything about kyber crystals but also i think there is a big yearning amongst star wars fans to see more of kyber crystal like yeah. everyone wants to see a kyber crystal get bled and get mm -hmm. healed in live action so yeah. then when you've got nine episodes and there's like four or five of them where you see a kyber crystal going through some kind of change mm -hmm. in this beautiful animated style you do kind of just want to go, wow. Yeah, give us and that it, in it once again goes to show that animation can capture stuff mm -hmm. that live action and CGI will never be able to do. Never. Because the whole point of CGI is to make it look like realistic yeah. for the real world, which means these big, crazy things that they do to give off the right emotion and the right sense of what's going on just isn't possible. No, I agree. I, I, I need every adult who thinks animation is just for kids to grow the fuck up so that we can start getting the best possible content from the franchises we love. Mm -hmm. Now, I've made notes on rough little notes on all the episodes. I don't know if you... No, so like I the... have not, but it's all very fresh in my mind, so as you talk, I will... Re so, episode one was called Sith. Yeah. And I thought out of all of them had the most interesting visual style with that like painterly effect and the kind of use of like the pure white with the color and showing light versus darkness. I loved the style of that, that episode. It was definitely the perfect episode to have at number one mm -hmm. because it sets the tone of you are going to see stuff that you're not used to seeing. Yes. In the sense of we are going to have fun with how everything looks in the Star Wars universe. And I think because that one does it so aggressively, yeah. it really makes all of the other ones easier to digest. Yeah, it really sets the tone for what, what to expect. Yeah. And I love the um I love the design of the Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. Kick off. Um and the like the two guys that were with her. And the little droid, the little droid was cool as shit. And uh, what was and, that? Was that easy one or yeah, some, something? Something like that. And the the fucking one wheel bike. There was so many cool things with that. Just the level of like um, world building and design they put into that yeah. episode was great. It was very cool. The lightsaber battle towards the end was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. We kind of saw her teasing that she might become like a grey Jedi. Well, yeah, she, she had like, like a the yellow... Light and the, yeah, the light and the dark exist in one and they exist in me. 
um, which is interesting. Um, but I think overall, it was just like a battle episode with not a lot else to it. Yeah. And don't it get w- me wrong, a pure battle episode with such a striking art style is still mm-hmm. a brilliant way to spend oh, 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, episode two was Screecher's Reach, which was the... That was a lot of fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was interesting. It definitely was, like, out of all nine, was probably my least favorite. Not meaning that it was bad, just it wasn't on my preferred. I don't know. It just didn't hit the spot for me. I really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say I'd put it above any of the others either way. I think I rate this entire series just very high. Um, Yeah. Is there any other ones that I didn't enjoy as much as this one? Um, well, episode three was the Into the Stars, I think it was called, which was the water oh, that treatment. One, that was that was the 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 design of the Tie Fighter right at the very beginning. Yes, sold me on that instantly. I was like, yes, that is gorgeous. I love the, the story. I love seeing more of a um. I don't want to call it less developed, but a more traditional world that was clearly in an earlier stage of civilization. Mm-hmm. And like seeing these two kids who've managed to survive it all, clearly they had a force sensitive mother and they're like, no, we're going to fight and get our home back and kick the empire out was beautiful. Yeah. I like love the style and love the, the contrast that we got between like the, the empire and industrialization and stuff. I will say, in a 15-minute short, I've never come to find a kid so annoying as not just l- just listen to you, damn sister, and stop screwing up the plan. <laughs> like, I got so annoyed that that kid didn't listen. And I'm like, this is a 15-minute short, and it's got me this, like... Heated. Yes, which just shows how good it was with the story it was telling. Did you um? It's just, it's just dawned on me. They mm. must give the studios the same brief, because not only was there a running theme around Kyber crystals, there was a running theme that all of these seemed to take place during the Empire's reign. Yeah, maybe they set and a time and period. They're all a little bit rebellious as well. Yeah, the pos- only one that doesn't follow kyber crystal or rebellion is the pilot episode which i think is number four yeah which is next yeah no i would say maybe they set a period of time it wouldn't surprise me that they've all gone rebellious by their own choice because it just makes for a good little 50 minute story like to have somebody going against like but yeah you don't you don't have to set up the conflict yourself because it's a well-established conflict that's already there it wouldn't surprise me if they all just happened to decide to do that um but yeah episode four like you said was the ardman studio one i am your mother yeah love like you can't go wrong with the ardman style that that style looks so right for star wars yeah. I, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure what to expect. I knew it would obviously still be iconic and I'd recognize it and it wouldn't feel alien to me. But the second I saw that pilot with like the rebel re, uh, 
the rebel pilot uniform mm-hmm. i kind of was like oh that looks right that looks really right yeah there's um, something petition about for the clone wars to be remade in ottoman <laughs> style thoughts <What>? honestly <laughs> like i could see a more and like some sort of animated film being done by Ardman. Like it fit yeah, so it well. It really worked. Especially for like a brighter, slightly happier story. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure how well it would handle like an order sixty six type scene. But if you wanted to do a kind of fun adventure in the Star Wars universe style story. You could definitely oh, use that style and make it work. I've just had because I t- so when we talked about season two in the trailer and we saw the different studio and stuff, I mentioned that Ardman Studio did a thing called Creature Comforts, which is where they yeah. like did those TV style interviews with animals. Imagine that style of show where we get like a short a week, and it's them like TV interview of a stormtrooper. TV interview of a rebel pilot, and it's like just so like British humor of what like sarcasm and to the point of like what the heck would actually be going on, and then like the day to day complaints of these people. I think that actually would make for a great short series, especially with the Ardman style. I think it would work so well. Yeah, um, I will say. While I'm not against a embarrassing parent storyline, it's a classic. It works. They did not do a very good job of making that mum genuinely seem embarrassing. She seems mm. like an absolute angel of a mother. <laughs> do you know what I did think about that episode? You like obviously with it being Ardman, it is very much relatable for us because we're British. Yeah, yeah there, no, it's there was very a British. there was a lot of beats in it that I thought this is humorous to me because i understand these small british cultural like references to things i wonder how well that hits for like americans and for people in other countries whether they just like oh it's the it's the wallace and gromit style like we like it because of that um i mean i don't know is wallace and gromit even well known around the world or is it very much i don't know i feel like it might be but um Episode five was Journey to the Dark Head, which was the pilot and the young Jedi. Oh, I think that was the best story. I agree. I think that episode five and episode nine are my two favorite. Um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely have them <clears> up there. I think the animation for episode five might be the most basic. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way because like it's still gorgeously well done. Mm. But it didn't it seemed like a more traditional style of animation. If I Yeah, no, I know what you mean, and I'm I can't remember which studio did that. But um yeah, no, I, I would agree on that. I thought it had a very strong story though. The story and was phenomenal. A story that I would love to see more of. Mm. And I wanna know more about this temple where they... Yeah on the knife's edge and they don't care one way or the other they are just there to record everything that um, is very interesting to me i also really loved the design of the sith mm. um i thought I, I, was a... I do love how much fun these studios have with designing their own lightsabers so this is the thing and it's like 
the way that the umbrella lightsaber in season one, this guy's chain thing that he can control, I think is a very cool weapon that people are going to fall in love with. And I would love to see something like that in live action. I think that would be sick to see. Yeah. Do you know what's really funny? And I and I always find this funny. Um, when Phantom Menace came out, a lot of the diehard original trilogy fans weren't sure about the double-ended lightsaber. And, like, let's be clear, it was only a thing because they wanted to sell toys. Yes. I don't think anyone's ever argued that. But the, as the generation who grew up with a double-ended lightsaber... I feel like we were a lot more accepting of Kylo Ren's hilt, even though we knew it was yeah. just toys. And I'm always down for these crazy little fucking changes to lightsabers. Yes, I understand it makes canon a bit more difficult, because you're like, okay, why are we just seeing this now? But my yeah. god. Do you know what I love, like, just though? Just let people be creative with their lightsabers. It then causes like the fans that do love that stuff then spend the time to figure out how does this actually work? Oh, yeah. Disney never, ever need to give a fuck about how it fits into law because the fans who love the style will make it work. Yeah, they'll find a way. They, yeah, that they will fanfic it into canon and make it make sense. Because that's, that's what they did with Kylo Ren's. It was just like, oh, these are exhaust things because it's unstable. And it's like, yeah, boom, and then there you go. Went, yeah, you got it. Well done. <laughs> They're like, oh, fucking no. Uh, but yeah, episode five. I love that one. Um, episode six was the spy was dancer oh it was the one with the woman and all the stormtroopers for a show oh and her son was the imperial officer. yes i thought I visually loved the animation of that I yeah thought the... it was different the animation I was really liked it the animation was really cool i loved like the kind of play on this idea of a show and i really wasn't expecting the twist of the sun like they really yeah. caught me off guard with the like that being the son. They really built it up to be the old guy, and then boom, no, it's her son. I yeah, I really enjoyed that. I loved this idea that there's a uh, all the stormtroopers going to a show, and it's just like a rebel thing. It fit in very well. Yeah, I I enjoyed the um the 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 twist and the story of it as well. The idea that I mean we know the empire went around and stole children. And yeah. conscripted them to be stormtroopers, but the idea that some of them also became officers, yeah, and they thought they lived that life that way their entire life, and their mother, who literally birthed them, is like part of the rebellion, and they've been indoctrinated so hard into the empire they don't realize. that they think that the empire is genuinely right, um, and it was a very interesting story for sure, yeah, um. And it, again, it's enough one-on-ones that I'd happy, I'd happily probably watch another 15 minutes of to get a bit mm-hmm. more from it. Um, but I think that's why they make these 15 minutes. A, so they can really have fun with the animation and they don't yep. have to rush any of that. But also, always leaving us wanting more mm-hmm. means that they can get more series out of this for longer. Because in reality, they could do probably two really bad seasons at this point already. And we'd still watch it all just in case they have another banger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um episode... yeah, another another really good episode. I mean they're yeah. all phenomenal. They are. Episode seven is the Bandits of Galak, which is the one we talked about with the Indian influence. Um, that may very well be one of my favourites. I think five 
seven and nine are probably my three favorites and i'm not sure what order i'd put them in so i love the story of seven and the i think the cultural side of it really fit in well i love the idea of it like they basically took like those huge bustling trains from india and just shoved it into star wars yeah i think that worked great i love this idea of like finding the hidden jedi who happened to be some old fucking lady who was yeah. badass loved all of that personally wasn't a huge fan of just the visual style it just didn't hit for me um i don't think it was anything outrageously special but i still think it looked quite nice i don't there was just a couple of like i don't know points where it threw me off and i know it's probably just the artistic person in me where it just didn't like something just wasn't hitting right and it kind of pulled me out of it a little bit but i think but everything else about it was great design yeah the inquisitor was that, very that cool very much still being an inquisitor but having again them cultural elements to it yeah didn't feel out of place but still to us very clearly we knew where it was inspired from i think is very well done i think that deserves a lot of respect to yeah. merge east asian culture into star wars so cleanly oh yeah without yeah, yeah. It feeling out of place is phenomenally well done and the old lady jedi is an absolute badass yeah she really was uh, uh episode and eight which one was episode eight so episode eight was the pit the one with the prisoners oh, in the bottom that was a great story as well these these episodes were so damn good um yeah i thought it was a great story the whole like using prisoners to make it was very much like oh this is yeah this this is star wars like this makes total sense using prisoners this, to mine kyber crystals this this is andor <laughs> yeah like i'm building like a city right next door and they are clueless to what's going on yeah loved all that and the whole like climbing out of the pit do you know what my brain immediately did you were born in the dark. Uh, yeah. I was born in the yeah. dark. It immediately took me to like yeah. Bane climbing out of the pit in Batman. The second they all had to try and start climbing the wall, yeah. I went straight back there as well. My brain did that. I was not expecting them, that kid to just get thrown into the pit. Yeah, that. I, I'm not going to lie. I was half expecting it to cut down to the bottom and like he was stopping himself from falling using the force or something. Yeah, so did I. And then no, um, it's just body on the floor yeah it was it was fucking harrowing yeah it, it hit that thing of star wars of like oh this is no this is the dark world to live in um but yeah i love that one love the the little thing we see um at the end when she has the sliver of the kyber crystal and it turns blue i thought yes. that was really cool that it, it like speaking to her and then it stands up and then it like connects with her and it gets mm -hmm. its blue color chest kiss so good yeah really love that and then episode nine which i think is my number one episode of the series i think uh, it's definitely my favorite art style was our uh, our song a hour yeah a hour's um, song yeah I thought the story of she has this voice that can purify these corrupted kyber crystals, which plays into the whole like bleeding them and all that like stuff that has never been 
said is canon, but there's like so much discussion around it. The idea that like someone could use their voice to do that and purify them. Well, yeah, was so, such like, a cool like idea. Very iconic like scroll at the beginning of the episode, which I liked. Yes, and it was basically like on this planet they've always had kyber crystals, and they always loved their kyber crystals. The Siths found out that the Jedi were getting their kyber crystals here, so an angry Sith turned up and poured all of their hatred into the planet to corrupt all of the kyber crystals. Mm -hmm. So now the Jedi's such a good concept. Yes, and now the Jedi spend time purifying them. Yeah, so now that out of love for the Jedi and wanting their kyber crystals to still be worthy. They mine them very carefully, and then the Jedi's who have the time and patience will purify them. I, you saying about the scrolling text at the beginning, immediately when that started, I was like, oh my god, this is Star Wars. I was yeah. like, there's something about yellow text to start off one a Star Wars film, or like short. It's just, short, it or, is it, there, it's just it? like yeah, you're just like I'm in Star Wars. I yeah. love that little detail that they chose to do that. Um, um i love the, the style, style is gorgeous. yeah the art so style gorgeous. was so nice um i'm pretty sure going off the accent that this was the south african yes studio so. so then the play on like the characters being sort of like tigers slash lions it's hard to tell yeah. i actually quite liked like that was like a little nod to like yeah um but yeah this this idea that a voice could purify Kyber Crystals. Such, such a clever yeah. story. And it's really interesting as well, because they kind of played it off a little bit, like maybe she was being corrupted by these crystals. Because like, we yeah. see all these corrupt crystals talking to her and making her sing, and her dad's really worried, because every time she sings, like they or get cut short. shaky like, yeah. and dangerous. And you're like, oh no, is she going like, to be turned to the dark side by all these evil crystals? Mm-hmm. And in reality, it's just they were calling out to her for help because they're in pain. That's and they just needed her the to the finish the song. In pain, yeah. And they're like, we, you can help us. Please help us. Something, I think the reason this episode kind of takes the top point for me was like, because it was around a song, the score and the music for this episode was so amazing and so well done. Like that brought it to a whole like, next level for me exactly and the visuals for her purifying all the crystals with that yes. big song at the end where like all everything disappears and you just see all the crystals scattered throughout the mountain turning pure yeah oh it was be- it was beautiful and this is why animation is so clear because there is no way to create that same feeling in live no, action there really isn't um but yeah overall I think they did an amazing job with season two. There was definitely more hits this time around. Yes. Um, than season one. And I think spreading where the studios are based out mm-hmm. throughout the world and having as many styles as possible is definitely the right way to go. I agree. And 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 I really want some studios to take some confidence in how well received both seasons have been for being and trying stuff. And I want a studio to really go right. Let's let's actually be fully artistic and just let this flow and really push the boat out let's really try something um because maybe it won't work but if it does work you have a chance to be a genuine memory and a genuinely huge part of quite possibly the biggest franchise ever yeah i agree um i'd love for like a season three 
if we got because we we got very much we got a range of animation styles mm -hmm. but they were all i would say leaned more to like abstract or cartoony yeah i would love to have season three be like an even wider range to have like episode one is like a some weird painterly like out there style there's like episode two is like game cinematic level of like cgi like some crazy like a bigger range back and forth to really just like spread out on studios i'd yeah. love i'd love to see like a bit more variety a wider yeah. variety shall i say i really think they do just need to Keep if any studio who can physically manage a project of this size go to them hey guys go work on this one and all go work on this when it's ready send it in to us and every mm -hmm. time we have nine episodes that are good enough we'll put a series out and just make it like an open invite because if you do it that way you can also potentially get some of these really small studios that are mega talented who can be like this is our chance do you know what i think they should do kind of maybe because doing that opens up kind of a bit of a world of NDAs and whatnot. Yeah. But a really cool thing they could do is one of the nine episodes should be fan submitted. Oh, Let, imagine. Because there are some incredible fan shorts on imagine YouTube. Like, yeah, imagine growing up like as the Clone Wars animated series was like coming out. Like if you were like born as that was coming out. So, like, you're 16 years old now, say, mm -hmm. and, like, in two or three years' time, you've loved Star Wars your entire life, and you find out that your episode's been chosen to be in season three of Visions. Like, it, you should be able to, like, they should do a submission thing. People can the submit. The only thing that hurts them is for individuals like that, it's a lot more difficult to get the voice actors. Yeah, but nowadays... There's so many like tools and abilities. Yeah. Like, if you know you like, I think they should. Do, they could do it as like a you submit a draft for a story idea, and it's like, or or a concept of like a moment, so they can see the quality, and then it's yeah. just like, okay, you're getting picked, you're greenlit to do your fan made thing, and then they're like, oh shit, now I've got to like pull all my friends in to do yeah. voice acting and whatnot. Like, I think it'd be really cool. I do cool. love the idea of a fan art being able to become that, mm -hmm. but. Just because someone has a fantastic art style that really suits Star Wars doesn't mean they'll be able to come up with a good enough story or yeah. know people who can do the voice acting is the only potential downside for that. Yeah, but no. If if Disney can find a way to make that work realistically, that would be so fucking cool. Yeah, it really would. Um, right. Should we move on to the Nerd News Network? I think we should. Been a weird it's week. Very interesting week. Yeah. It's been very a weird many one. things. First, and I, I think it's fair to say most notably, mm. is the um, Writers Guild of America is striking for the first time since 2007. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, this kind of strike gets lost on. Because yeah. The reason a strike works is because people feel the result of it so 
when the train people strike, our trains don't run on time, and the junior doctor strike, you can't get appointments and stuff, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And yes, there are always going to be them dickheads who act like they should just shut up and deal with it. Mm-hmm. But then you have them intelligent individuals who understand the only way to get your own interests looked after sometimes is to not give the other people a choice. Um, basically, what this boils down to is writers residual checks for stuff they've already produced and they have to get paid for every time it is then re re re-shown on TV is fucked for streaming services. So I think someone said say for instance you get $10,000 the second time an episode of your show gets shown on TV. Hmm. If it goes straight to a streaming service after being aired only once on TV, you are only going to get maybe seven hundred dollars. That is a big difference. Yeah, it is. Um, the way I've heard <clears throat> some writers describe it in interviews for the media is they are turning writing as a career. That's right. They're turning writing from a career into gig work with these kind of mm. paychecks, which is only going to lead to worse quality of everything we consume. Yes. Um, and I think, bearing in mind how much money a media makes, pay your fucking writers. Yeah, and I think, I saw a tweet, because it's like, I will, I will admit, I was naive in not fully knowing the extent to which the work a writer does on a show, right? When you hear the writers for a show, you think, oh, they're at the beginning, they're writing all the script, boom, they're done. They get paid for what they wrote. Um, but there was a tweet I saw from someone who is a writer, and I think it was to do with Witches. Is it the Witches new season? I can't remember what it was. But something was starting production, and they're going to continue without the writers. And they were like, well, who's going to do the during recording when there's like a, li- a line changed or a script needs updating or there's like numerous changes happen constantly and things get rewritten it's like the writers are there for that like this yeah. isn't just so, like a production can go on so the best example of this actually happening during the writers strike of 2007 was in James Bond Quantum of Solace now a lot of you out there will remember the title of that film but I guarantee mm. you can't tell me any major plot points. And I never realised why this film, despite looking and feeling like a James Bond film, was so bad. It came out this week when Daniel Craig was talking about his support for this strike. Why? So the, the final script was written for Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the strike happened. And they decided, well, we've got a full script. We're just going to plough ahead. And the only people who are allowed to edit the script, which happens a lot during filming, apparently, mm-hmm. was Daniel Craig and the director. And Daniel Craig was quoted as saying, this isn't verbatim, but basically the general gist is, I'm an actor, not a writer. So while I might be able to change things slightly, I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter how good an actor Daniel Craig is, and he's a very good actor, and he was a very good James Bond. He's not a writer. If they turn up and something doesn't quite seem right or they want to change something, 
because the actor and the director can see the bigger picture story and they don't think that quite works. Mm -hmm. They can see the bigger picture and know what needs to be done, but it's then up to the writer to make that work and be good, which is why Quantum of Solace, despite looking right and feeling right, was garbage because they couldn't get the script right because they didn't have a writer there to do it. Yeah, and it's like, like you say, these actors, especially in situations like with Daniel Craig, where he's been playing James Bond, like he knows how James Bond should come across or sound. So like he can change the other line to like rephrase stuff. So it's like, this is more how James Bond would probably say it. Sure, he can do that. He can't write what the fuck's meant to be happening in the overall story. Like he, that's not his job. And any production at the moment is saying they're just going to continue oh it's fine we'll continue on we have the script like they're just asking for problems down the road either it's going to put delays on production because they're now going to go ah oh, all this we've done is rubbish and we're gonna to have to wait for a writer or they're going to launch it anyway and go with it and it's going to just stink put it this way because of the nature of tv we're not going to notice this now no but six months time a year's time you're going to notice that TV feels like shit. It might only be for a couple of episodes. It might be for a whole season of a TV show, depending on how pig-headed yeah. the studios were. But in about a year's time, 18 months' time, you're going to sit there and go, Christ, TV's a bit shit at the minute, isn't it? Mm. And this is going to be why. Um, I'm not a writer. I don't think I'll ever no. be a writer. I struggle with punctu punctuation too much. But these people literally run Hollywood in the sense of your TV shows, your films aren't getting made without them. So yeah, pay right. them. They're not asking for a ridiculous amount. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of money to me, to you and I. And it is a lot of money to you and I. But just because that they're already in a better financial position than you are doesn't mean they're being treated fairly. And that's what this is actually about. It's yeah. just like when people go, oh, you want to earn more than £9.50 working at McDonald's? I only earn 13 quid an hour and I'm an engineer. Your anger's misplaced there. Don't be angry at the person who works at McDonald's who earns more than £9.50 an hour. Be angry at your employers for only valuing you at £13 an hour. Yeah. And this is the problem. The world has convinced us to be angry at the people worse off who want to be treated fairly instead of being angry at the people who aren't treating us fairly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's fair to say that we um, support the writer's strike, and I yeah. hope they can oh, yeah, get 100%. the best out of it. Just like, although this isn't the place we would normally say it because it doesn't relate to content as much, just like we supported the rail worker strike and the junior doctor strike, and yeah. any strike, basically. Yeah. If you're not being treated fairly at work, make them fucking listen. 100%. Um... Oh, God, it feels good to be a little bit anarchist occasionally. Sorry. It's like going back to my roots. Um, in other news of corporations with scumbags getting fucked over. Yes. Um, Nintendo notoriously hate their fans. I don't think that's oh. a surprise to anyone. No, it's really not. Um, the entire Mario movie, which was dog shit, by the way. If you liked it, I'm sorry you have the taste of a child. This is coming from the man who still reads comic books. Um got leaked in its entirety on Twitter. Wish I'd seen this seen, sooner. We, and got seen by millions of people before Twitter slash Nintendo were able to take it down. 
I wish I'd. I wish I'd. I wasn't away this weekend because I would have watched that film on Twitter. Um, which is just hilarious because so for those who don't really know, like you know, sometimes like you don't know if you're just in the niche of the internet that understands it or if it's much more common knowledge. Mm. I feel like it is quite common knowledge in our niche that Nintendo is scum. But I feel yeah. like if you're like not an avid gamer and you just are aware of the gaming world, Nintendo probably seem like quite a nice company. They're just like, oh, they made the kids' games like Mario yeah, Kart, Wii Fit, Mario and stuff. They're lovely. Um, Nintendo hate everyone. Yes. Um, and I t- <laughs> the crazy thing is that's not even an exaggeration. Well, the um, the way to, best way to put it is Nintendo are control freaks. Yes. If if they're not in control of something, they will shut it down. Well, there's there's the there's the thing that a lot of people don't understand that streaming video games can get you taken down for DMCA. By Just war. like streaming music can. Yes. But game developers are smart enough to understand that letting people stream their games is actually good for them. Because it's marketing. Yes. Nintendo would be the company to DMCA strike people for playing a game. Like they they did with a content creator who did Breath of the Wild content that was modded. And because it was modded gameplay, they copyright stroke them and took their content down. Well, it's they've done it multiple times with content creators. To the point of like there'll be content creators have done Mario content for or like Nintendo content for years, and then suddenly it's not just one video, I guess it. They just go back through everything and take it all. Well, yeah, so this is the thing. They they hit this creator that I saw about who'd done some modded content, but they also took down content that wasn't modded mm. just to show they fucking could. Um, so there are no tears lost for this multi-billion dollar corporation getting its film leaked so people could see it for free. Um, and I hope more people leak it. And I, and I hope it really hurts their bottom line. Um, because they treat people like shit, and I'm sick of it. Um, up next, Andy Samberg. Uh, yes. Thankfully, he's still not done anything to get himself cancelled, so I can still love him, which is always nice. Um, Andy Samberg has been confirmed to be the voice of Ben Riley, aka the Scarlet Spider in Across yes, the Spider Verse. I love this casting so much. I can't wait for it. There's not much else to say, but I'm excited. I mean, Andy Samberg is just a gem, and mm-hmm. I'm so that glad. That man is like 45, and he's and he looks long, younger than you, Hori. No offense. No, you know, I, you're does. not wrong. Um, and that I, I love when you stay unproblematic. I love that he's getting to be in spite of us, and I'm yeah. hoping some of these more as we get more and more of these different, more obscure Spider-Man reveals ones that have a voice i'd love like really obscure voice actors like really big names just doing like one or two lines just just what for the I, sake of like yeah. what i will say is andy sandberg could right to play spider-man because just looking at him oh, yeah. i could imagine him playing an older peter parker yeah like even now i know he's 44 i could see him playing a 30 year old more veteran peter parker agreed um so him playing and voice acting as Spider-Man makes complete sense, and I think it's a brilliant decision. Um, also, uh, across the Spider-Verse, there is a leaked, rumoured runtime mm. of 2 hours and 20 minutes, which will make it the longest ever animated film out of Hollywood. Which is very exciting. 
I'm going to tell you right now, if it's two hours and 20 minutes, I'm still going to leave there wanting more. <laughs> oh, 100%. I, I, the... This is one of the few times that I'm really confident that a film cannot miss. Also, think about the fact that this is just part one. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's uh-huh, potentially going to uh-huh. be two hours plus. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so, so excited for this film. It cannot come soon enough. Um, there was a couple of steals, a couple of little extended international trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything massively worth talking about in any of them, but the animation looks clean. Seeing lots of character designs in a couple of different shots, all the characters look good. There is so many fun little cameos that are look set to be mm-hmm. made. Um, this film is going to be special. It really special, is. special film. Um. And I cannot wait for it. On to Star Wars, though. A rare Star Wars L at the minute. Well. It felt like for a while, Star Wars was only taking Ws. It it did. And to be fair, this isn't a complete L. No, I... There's still a large portion of W here. I think the L is more EA here. Um, Yeah. So, Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, Mm -hmm. came out... Um, to Six the world, days. yeah, okay. last week. Um, and it's really funny because I've seen like three things about it. Um, it performs like shit on PC, no matter what hardware you're running. If you get more than like 60 frames per second, you're lucky. Um, mm. apparently that is a bit better after a patch, but you still like yeah. need the top, top hardware to be getting like good frames. But despite all that, people are playing it on PC and are still loving it because the story is just that damn good. Yeah, people are powering through. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about gamers, who I genuinely think might be some of the moaniest people on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, like, all of the complaints this time and a lot of the conversation this time are 100% valid. But when gamers are making valid points to be angry about, and they are still powering through because the story is that good. Wow. Yeah, I Give think... me live action Cal Kestis. Hundred <laughs> percent. We need it. I think you like, like we said, it seems this is probably more in the EA L. Probably a tight deadline that meant time to optimize PC was limited because they obviously had all console releases as well. Like you got to remember this. This isn't just like a PC game and it's had a poor PC release. Like this is released well on console. Consoles have done fine. They've man- like the the optimizing for consoles not a problem. Optimizing for PC is notoriously difficult in any game, even for just PC launches. So, I mean, probably tight deadlines is what it is. It will get patched and probably improved. And the fact that the story is so good that everyone's still playing it anyway just is a testament to how good the game must be. But what we do need to do is talk mm-hmm. about Com- Cameron Monaghan, who plays Cal. Mm-hmm. He is quickly becoming one of my favourite actors. Oh. So I've recently started binge-watching uh, the American version of Shameless, right. in which he plays Ian Gallagher. Okay. Um, he was one of the highlights for me in Gotham the Batman mm. prequel film in which he played two different versions of a character who is not the Joker for legal reasons, but was the Joker. Yeah. Um, both of which were very different, but equally phenomenal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and now he is quite possibly one of my top three favorite Jedi. <laughs> That's fair. The guy doesn't miss. No, he's doing well. So give that man a poncho. Yes. And get him in a live action project. Make it, put him in the Mandoverse film. So here's here's the thing, right? I was trying to, with one of my mates, we were trying to work out where could he fit into live action. And because of when the game is set. So Jedi Survivor is set in the same year as Kenobi. It's been yes. confirmed. So I think. So um, Inquisitors took a huge L that year, by the way. The the strongest chance I think we might get of him in any live action would be Kenobi season two. I'd be so down for you, McGregor, and Cameron just cutting about being badasses. I think other than that, it's, it's... unless they just give him his own show outright. Yeah, we're struggling. Yeah, but I've... I mean, there's no reason they can't give him a show outright. It's not like they just got a random person to be the face and voice actor, no. and th- and this is just like someone that they found and they fall in love, and the guy's not like not even an actor per se. This is an actual, honest to god, mega talented actor mm-hmm. who loves this role and gives this role everything. Who the fans love, Disney, give him a show. I mean. The only other thing I could think of maybe he like shows up in, because we know f- so little about it, is Skeleton Crew. That or, would be fine. And or season two. Oh. Because something, oh, which slight point I'll throw in here. Apparently the last three episodes of Andor season two mm-hmm. will be the final... Three days or three weeks, I forget what it was I read, of the run-up to Rogue One. Give so, me see, camera. Give so, me camera. Because here's the thing. They're not going to kill him off in the game. No. And he's such a powerful character, he kind of needs to die. Otherwise, people are going to be like, where the fuck is this bitch? So give him a show. Make it a season long really flesh out the last bits of his character and then have him die off. Whether that be he becomes one with the Force and becomes a Force ghost or he finally snuffs it or whatever. It'd be great if they just used him in Kenobi Season 2. Yes. Anything. 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 Yeah. I um, need to pick up that game. I'm just holding off a little bit because obviously I'll be playing on PC. So I I want to play it on PC, but if they don't release a couple of patches soon to improve it, I might just buy it on my Xbox and just play it by myself. That's fair on stream, um, because I really want to play this. But I don't think I ever finished Fallen Order. <gasps> I know, but you know how bad I am for finishing story games because I get distracted. So I may just go back and play that to fill that itch mm-hmm. until um, they fix Survivor. But when yeah. like streamers who are the most notorious crybabies of gamers are suffering yeah. through like 30, 30 FPS, it it shows how damn good that game is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah. Another great Star Wars news. Yes. Um, this is about damn time. It is. Um, in fact, this is probably a number of years too late. Um, Unfortunately but so, but... Carrie, Carrie Fisher... Yeah, Carrie Fisher's got her Hollywood has, star. Yeah, she has a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. What a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Hamill was there as part of the celebration. Um, Which we as love. well as... There was someone else there. I want to say it was her daughter. I think it was her daughter. Um... Ah, Hollywood. I would imagine it was. Yeah, and it was today because um, well, okay. it was obviously May the 4th today. Yeah, so it makes made, sense. It made sense for it to be done. Uh, Smart. Da, 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 da. Where is... Who was there? Uh, yeah, Billy Lord, her daughter, was there. As well as Mark Hamill, and they had C three PO and R two D two there as well. Of course, they did. Um, I love Mark Hamill. Great man. He genuinely seems to have a very deep care for all of the people who experienced that original trilogy with him. Yeah. Despite the fact that Harrison Ford couldn't give less of a fuck about Star Wars, <laughs> it genuinely seems like Harrison Ford at the drop of a hat could say, "Hey, Mark." Can you help me with this thing? And Mark would be there in a flash. I can, despite the yeah. fact that Mark adores the Star Wars universe and, like I said, Harrison Ford couldn't give less of a shit. Um, and Mark Hamill is the very, very best of endorsing a brand. Yes. Um, and I'm glad he was there to honour Carrie in such a beautiful way. Yeah, me too. It made, like, it was the best person. Yes. But I think that wraps up the news. Yes, I don't think there is any more news this week that needs to be discussed. Um, it is simply onto our Super Showdown. It is. This is the second semi-final. Next week is the end of this bracket. Correct. And um, Super Showdown will be no more, being replaced by something that I don't think we can leaked what it is yet, and I don't think we will. Um, but we do need to get on top of that. Um, and this is the DC semi-final. Or the DC final, but our yes. second semi-final. Swamp Thing, representing the DC heroes. Versus Raish Al Ghul, mm. representing the DC villains. The winner will go on to face Ghost Rider in the final of the Super Showdown bracket. I am leaning very heavily one-sided here. Okay. I think I know what side you're leaning on. Interesting. Um, I'm leaning Swamp Thing. Yeah. I just... Now, don't get me wrong. Ra's al Ghul is a formidable opponent. He has beaten everyone else on his side of the bracket. But at the end of the day, Swamp Thing has beaten many a man stronger than Ra's al Ghul. And a bit of martial arts doesn't feel like it's going to be enough against a giant plant Swamp Thing. I think we need to remember that 
something is like the living embodiment of mm-hmm. Mother Nature. Yep. But like Mother Nature's angry older brother who will protect her even if it means prison. Um so while Rachel is very powerful by human standards and has lived for thousands of years and is mm. a master of all master of all uh martial arts and such. Yes. I don't see how he beats Swamp Thing. No, neither do I. I can see him surviving the encounter, but I don't see him winning the encounter. Yeah, no, I don't see him winning. I think he might, yeah, maybe he limps away back to the Lazarus pit. Um, But I, like, knowing the Swamp Thing has beaten much stronger foes, I just don't think... Martial arts just and like hand to hand combat is just isn't gonna be enough to cut it. Um no matter your level of knowledge. Yeah. Um I think that is the only logical conclusion to this situation. Um there is definitely a world where Aishagul manages to pull out the dub. I just don't mm. think it happens often enough for us to say that he beats Swamp Thing. Yeah, and no. I don't think that's that controversial in the thing. No, I don't think it is either. I um, think it's which, which gives first, us a very, yeah. very spooky and mystical grand final. It does. Ghost Rider versus Swamp Thing. And I don't think at the beginning I would have had this being my grand final. No, I don't think I would have either. I don't Which even remember it? whose picks these were. I was like to tell you. I feel like Ghost Rider was mine. I'm not sure on Swamping. Swamping was yours. Oh. And Ghost Rider was yours. Oh, see, I'm just, I'm just that good at picking the interesting characters. I can't be losing the next bracket. I'm choosing the first. You just can't beat me, Connor. Um, so there we go. Ghost Rider versus Swamp Thing. Um, yes, is going to be the grand final of the Super Showdown bracket before it goes away and gets rejuvenated into something new and exciting in the coming weeks. Um, if we have enough stuff going on, we might hold off on the new thing till episode sixty-nine. Hey, hey. Um, nice. but once again, thank you very much for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed mm-hmm. this episode. Um. Next week, we'll be doing a bigger, deeper, divier into Guardians 3. Yes, we will. Um, as well as getting ready for some other content that I think is just around the corner. Mm. Um, I'll have to look at all my various calendars. Um, but thank you for hanging out. Make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe in. I saw we got a bunch of new listeners over on Spotify and Apple over the week. Um, Which we love. So if you are listening over there, don't forget to follow so that you find your way back more easily. Um, And we'll see you next week. Yes, we'll see you next week.